This episode of the Just Be Real Sys podcast is brought to you by City Currents e-learning and online personal development platform, Growth Current. This is Jeremy Park, CEO of City Current, and I want to personally invite you to Growth Current. It's an opportunity to attend virtual events with global thought leaders, national guest speakers, and experts who can help you grow personally and professionally. It gives you access to success secrets, lessons learned, learning modules, and so much more. Subscriptions are only $8 a month, and you can do bulk subscriptions for your team. Check out growthcurrent.co to learn more. That's growthcurrent.co to learn more. Welcome to the Just Be Real Sis podcast. I'm Dr. Angela. And I'm Candace. We believe that women can win together. We live boldly. We live authentically. We live unapologetically. And we encourage you to do the same. We understand the need for real conversations with diverse perspectives because we are more alike than we are different. We know that inclusion and honesty are our superpowers. The only requirement to join us. Just be real, sis. Welcome back to Just Be Real, sis. Hey, sis. Hey, sis. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, we're still in a pandemic, but we're still making it happen. So, <laughs> I mean, it is still going on. We are still in the house, but we still have the opportunity to talk to some great people, don't we? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to be another exciting day today. It just keeps getting better. I'm so excited about our guest today. Are you, are you ready for this? Let's go. Okay. All right. So um, as you guys know, we love to do an introduction and really tell you who we have and get your, you know, notepads out and get your pens out um, because we have a powerhouse today. Um, someone who is just, she's not only amazing, she's a great person and someone I consider to be a friend. So um, we are bringing uh, Kayla Rodriguez-Graff uh, to Just Be Real Sis. She is the CEO and co-founder of Sweet Bio, a Memphis, Tennessee-based market-ready medical device company that has been FDA cleared with Manuka Honey Incorporated Wound Care Products. Catch that. Kayla is a thought-provoking business leader specializing in disruptive business models. Her diverse background includes five years of medical device venture development and six years customer experience and operations strategy at Target, and is supported by her MBA in Cornell Project Management Education. She brings a fresh perspective to the medical device space and spearheaded raising $4 million for SweetBio to support product development through FDA clearance. She achieved that in May of 2019. Kayla's ability to build critical relationships and set strategy will propel SweetBio as they enter national commercialization. Kayla is also passionate about policy and advocacy for women and diverse entrepreneurs, as well as life science industry in her city of Memphis, 901 Stand Up, and serves on several boards supporting these efforts, including Epicenter, Life Science Tennessee, Agape, Shelby Farms, and Women United. Recently, Kayla has presented at the U.S. Senate on women entrepreneurship and has had highlights on 60 Minutes, Forbes, and a national television commercial for Prudential um, Insurance. Most importantly, Kayla is married to her soulmate, Kevin, and she's the proud mom to her three-year-old son, Maddox, and new baby, seven-month-old son, Hudson. Welcome, Kayla. Welcome, <laughs> What's up? Thanks for having me. Woo! Listen, that was amazing. That's so much. Where do we even start? Like, you done today. Start? I have to ask myself, <laughs> where do you start? Where do you 
are. Oh, I'm like, who are you reading about? Who is this? This is my life. No, man. It's been a journey. It's been a journey, but I'm very, very grateful and honored to be here and chat with both of you who I extremely look up to. So thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. So let's just get right into it. Um, we, you know, we tackle things head first here at Just Be Real Sis, and we have some questions for you. We really want to, you know, understand you and um, some of this, what we've read today, you know, the, the goal is how can other women, you know, really channel some of that Kayla energy? Um, so the, the first question that I have for you, Kayla, is, you know, you mentioned in your bio that you're disrupting business models and revolutionizing healthcare at Sweet Bio. Can you tell me in your words what that really means? Yeah. You know, I think it's no surprise to anyone that the healthcare industry is crazy here in the States com compared to what it is in the rest of the world. And so when we made a decision, I mean, I came from corporate retail. Target is, you know, I specialize in you walk into the store and you came out spending $100 and you don't know how that happened. Like that's where I excel is what is that brand experience, right? Like what is it that gets you so excited to be there and spend dollars and, you know, ultimately change your life. Like people have this affinity for Target that is so study worthy. And so I went to work for them because I wanted to learn how to do that. And then people who work there love working there. I mean, we joke, you know, we bleed red, right? Like, cause you actually do, but it is Target colors. And so what's so fascinating is that taking what I learned in corporate retail and bringing that to healthcare hasn't really been done before. Like it is a, uh, you know, sale to a physician hospital. It's not about brand as much. It isn't necessarily focusing on the inpatient and talking to them. It isn't about as much the experience. And so looking at healthcare from that perspective, it starts to get really fun because especially as we experience COVID, there are just some big shifts that are happening in healthcare. Like people are getting care at home what does that mean? You know, okay, well, maybe patients are, are making more decisions. Well, they are consumers. They buy brand products. You know, they're starting to care about what's in their products, just like they care about what's in their food. And so to have a build, have and build a company that people love and adore, like that is super disruptive in the healthcare space. And, you know, our name is Sweet Bio. We're not XX therapeutic or biologic. Like we want to resonate with you. We want you to feel something when you say Sweet Bio. And that in itself is, is pretty disruptive in the space. Um, the second approach is how we deliver the care and what our product actually does and how innovative that actually is, is an approach that the wound care industry hasn't seen in decades. So that's what I mean with disruptive. It's more than just coming with like a new product. Like anybody can come with a new product. But like how you approach and how you involve all the stakeholders and how you do business, um, there's so much room to be able to disrupt that and build a multifaceted competitive advantage that people choose you because they want you. So those are the principles we're putting into our, you know, little startup. That's powerful. That's so good. <laughs> yeah. Like that, that's so good. I love the way you're able to tie in your why to everything that you do. And like you've accomplished so much. As sister was saying, when we looked at your bio, we're like, whoa, she has done a lot of things. <laughs> um, Mostly the babies. Like when we started to buy, I was like, got engaged. I and mean, you know, I got married, baby one, baby two. Like you we're only five years like, in this company. Two humans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. In the meantime. Yeah, but God. like as you think about that, like as you reflect on all the things that you have done, 
you still openly talk about having imposter syndrome sometimes. And that's something oh, that comes up with yeah. our listeners a lot. Like, can you talk to us about what that's like for you and how do you navigate it? Because this is something we see a lot with yeah. um, our listeners. Yeah, I mean, I struggle with it daily. And I would say that I don't necessarily struggle with it less, but I've learned to manage it a little bit better over time. Um, early on in my career, I used to get really frustrated by it because the behavior of others confirmed my imposter syndrome. You know, there aren't Hispanic women leaders in healthcare. Uh, there aren't young women leaders in healthcare. There aren't very many women starting healthcare um, medical device businesses. And so when I would go talk to people, they wouldn't pay any attention to me. Or I'd ask, you know, a question, they would respond to my co-founder, or they would ask questions, I would respond, then they would talk to my co-founder who's male. And so it was a lot of confirmation of the imposter syndrome, like, hey, like, maybe I am not the right person to have here. Maybe we shouldn't put me as the head of the company. You know, are we going to have a negative impact because I'm the CEO of this company? And I've had to have that, mul that conversation multiple times. And that is unfortunate and wrong. And so frustrating. And so over the years, um, I have turned that from frustration. I, I remember one specific incident, some guy just looked at me, turned his back and, and I just like left. I was at a conference. I went up to my hotel room and I didn't even want to go the next day to now, you know, I have a little bit more clout in the room because I've been here for some time, but also using that as a trigger, like, you know what, this would not work out. So it's not, it's not me, it's you um, situation. And so anyone who treats me like that now, I've now realized that that is such a great, I'm so grateful. Thank you for showing me that now. Because if I would have figured this out a year into our relationship and I wasted all that time, oh no, like I don't have time for that. So please show me all your ugly right now. I want it, all of it. Um, but in the current moment, so good. Can oh, we go pause ahead. right go there? Can we just pause yeah, right there? Yeah. We said, show me all of your ugly right now. Like that's a little <laughs> t-shirt. <laughs> I know. I want all of it. Like, please give me, you know, I just had an investor call the other day and it was like so much ugly. Like, oh no, you're not worth that much. And oh no, you're, you have the wrong strategy and oh, you haven't hit enough milestones. And I was like, thank you so much for your opinion. Thank you. It. Yes, thank you. You know what? And they're like, but you know, at the end of it, they're like, you're actually really bright. You know, do you want you to just send me this? I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, can I send a rejection letter the same way you would have sent me one? Like, thank you for your time. Unfortunately, it's not a good fit. Um, you know, but that's like where I've transitioned to. I hope people show me, you know, just be real. Like, show me your real self up front, and we're gonna understand how this is gonna work out. Because I don't have time for your misbehaving. Period. When people show you who they are, believe them. There you go. You know, that's an yeah. old saying, but it's so true. And hopefully everyone took note of that. We've referenced imposter syndrome on several episodes. We've all been there. We've all suffered from it. I talked about, um, I remember the position that I'm in today. When I took the job, I, I went into my office and I looked around and I was like, I have no idea what I'm about to do. I have no real strategy. Am I supposed to be here? Um, and I can't tell anybody. <laughs> and so... Um, you know, that the good news is, is that we've all been there. Now, um, here's the action I feel that we all need to take, especially as women. Um, and I've said this before, um, when a woman walks in the room, assume she's the CEO, assume that she's the boss, assume she's cutting the check. Yes. yes. <laughs> assume it because, yes. you know, that is, that's where we need to be. And, and so 
this goes back to, you know, the circle and, and the friends, the people that you keep around you. And, and you know, uh, we always say, sis, you know, start winning and, and see who claps because I have a fundamental right. belief. People want you to win, but start winning past them and then see what really happens. They'll try to bring oh. you a notch or two. So that's a whole nother conversation, isn't oh. it? That's a oh. in itself. So, oh. but so right Thank along those, those lines, uh, Kayla, you know, you talk about this and and I was looking at some numbers recently and in 2020, it's sad, but it's still true that in your Fortune 500 companies um, today, there's still less than 5% that are women and then uh, women of color is even less than that. So your response to that in an article, as you said, you know, the only way to solve for it, um, having more women in the C-suite is put more women in the C-suite. What do you think we need to do to help close that gap? Ooh. That's a tough one because it's a multifaceted approach. I mean, just like many conversations of diversity, we need to unpack where people are to understand where we need to get them to be. So there are reasons why there are men that prevent women from being in the C-suite. And that reasoning can range from denial. I don't know that I'm doing that to tragically intentional, I am not doing this. And understanding that spectrum, probably break it into a couple categories, then you can understand the intervention that's needed. If it's denial, then it's education. If it's intentional, it's removal, and you need to build an army around denouncing that behavior. And so, you know, I, just to give you an example, I sat on a panel two years ago with a gentleman who said, women don't want to be in the C-suite, Kayla. I'm literally, I'm on a panel with this gentleman. He said, they don't want to be there. That life is hard. The travel is hard. You're away from your family. And I said, I respectfully disagree because if more women were there, it would look different and it would be different because we're more efficient and we love our families. So like, you know what I mean? And I like, I can keep going on the stereotypes in your direction, right? And so it was just an interesting observation. <laughs> Yeah, so, the the well, observation for me, I'm like, excuse me. First off, did he ask you, a bunch of men? Did he ask a bunch of men that question? Hey, do you think there was women? I mean, I literally. It, first off, there was a okay. So if I just like step back and think about, he said that in front of a couple hundred people. He oh, didn't wow. know he said something wrong. He didn't. Right. He didn't know. So what do you do in that situation, right? Because he had no idea that the words that came out of his mouth were so offensive. And so when it comes to getting more women in the C-suite, there's a level of education, there's a level of intervention, there's a level of denouncing the behavior that happens that we all know that happens that is intentional. Mm -hmm. um, and those need to be put into place in the right moments to be able to start shifting this. Um, I, women need to treat each other better it's just remarkable, like you said. Uh, it's amazing when I see women who say it's been hard for me and it's and you need to experience that. And I'm like, what? What? You gotta go. I mean, earn your stripes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, allow me to earn my stripes and win in a market that has changed drastically from when you had to earn your stripes. I still am gonna have trials and tribulations ahead of me. 
and let me choose those. Let me go out there and be disruptive and break things. But I don't want to have to earn my stripes on things that have already been earned. So let true. me take it to the next level for you. And so those are the things that I, you know, women need to need to lift each other up. And I do see more of it happening than, you know, back in my, I'd say target days, even though it's a really great women culture. Um, there's still a lot of men in leadership. So it's a, that's a tough question. Cause it's like, we got to know where people are to be able to move them. Women need to support each other and the next generation of women need to see us. They have to see us. They have to know that this is okay and normal and amazing and that they can do it. Yeah. That's our daily mission. Yeah. <laughs> we we'll probably talk about this at least once or twice a day. And so, see, that's, that's part of the reason why you're here because we connect on so many things and that's a major one. And so you've already kind of alluded to some of this, but there was a quote, I said, we have to talk about this because I can only imagine what you were feeling when this happened. And you said, I've literally had people say, we only invest in white men with white hair who've had exits. I'm not kidding. So what is it like? Like, what are the challenges that you face being a woman, being a woman of color as you've gone on this quest for funding and building your company? I will remember where I was. I remember his face. I remember those words. And I remember how serious he was when he said it. And I couldn't believe it. I literally couldn't believe it because that's something that, again, he said that it, it went through filters. You know what I mean? Like you don't flat out say something that you think is so disrespectful to a stranger. I'm sitting down in an investor meeting. I, he selected me to meet in this, in this conference. He said, I want to meet with Sweet Bio. And then he said that to my face after going to our website and seeing that I'm the CEO of the company. So he had, I mean, there's just so many things we can unpack about that. But what's interesting is, you know, the numbers are abysmal on, on women raising venture capital funds. Um, they are tragic for women of color raising funds. There was an article that just came out in the Tennessean, and I'm still, I'm trying to make sure that this, I just can't believe it. The first black woman to raise a million dollars in the state of Tennessee. Are you kidding me? Billions and billions and billions are made, are raised every single year. And a million dollars, first black woman, absolutely not. To find out that I'm one of the highest raising women, of, that Hispanic women in the state, if not the highest raising, if not the highest Hispanic woman CEO of medical device company, like in the, in the country, I, I've only raised 4 million. And the thing is these companies raise, raise billions. And so it's been really interesting raising money in this field as it also changes, right? New York and San Francisco have most of the money and there has been this like elevation that there's good ideas and great investments everywhere else in the country. Um, but I'm embarking on my toughest adventure yet. We just opened an $8 million race. And wow. because of yeah. timing, right? Like there's a great book, The Click Moment, that talks about like you can have everything put together, but timing is literally everything. Mm -hmm. There is an elevation right now for women, for women of color to get money. There is an elevation. And right now, this is a great moment for us to be fundraising because there is such visibility in the gaps the ridiculous gaps in the portfolios. Now, I don't care if you're just putting a fund together for an opportunity fund, we need to make sure it's a good fit from, you know, again, we talk about fit, like show me you're ugly. If you're just doing this for, you know, 
pressed, like we're, this isn't going to be a good fit, but this is a great time to be a female diverse startup um, because there's so much emphasis on fixing it. Um, but the last five years, I mean, we've raised smaller rounds because we don't really look like it. And I wouldn't say that's the number one reason. There's many reasons, but that is one of the biggest reasons to get a door open. I'm not a young white guy from Stanford, you know? So I, and there's a lot of jokes about that. Like, well, who can I just pick up at Stanford to be the CEO of my company so we can just raise, you know, a couple billion dollars. And so um, I wouldn't say, again, it's the main reason why it, it's tough for us to raise money, but it, it definitely plays a role. And typically, Women of color look younger, um, which is fabulous, you know. It's but a like, we have, it's a it? wonderful problem. To, <laughs> like, I can't, it's just great. I'm like knocking on wood for my family's genes, but like, everyone thinks I'm, you know, oh, okay, so, you know, this is your first one out of undergrad. I'm like, I have a graduate degree. I worked for, you know, okay, this isn't going to be a good fit, you know. So, getting the doors open is the number one problem in raising money. Um, and that's been a struggle for us. And now, because of this elevation, um, it's been a little bit easier. So I'm grateful for that. But raising this much money is going to be, I think, I'll have some stories to tell. Thank you. You know, that's, that's what I was really, you know, I, I really want to say to you and, and express just gratitude, you know, for your hard work, for your strength, for fighting the good fight, for not giving up. Um, because to your point, I am starting to see a shift and people have an appetite to do business um, with women of color and women in general. And that's one of the reasons that we do this podcast. And we love to say this, but you know, it's, it's true. Um, collaboration over competition is not just a hashtag for us. We're working together. This is what it looks like, what we're doing right now. So thank you um, from all of us. Because you're, you're, you know, we think of glass ceilings and we think of doors that are being open. A lot of it has to do with your work and it, it's on the back of you. And I, I think that you know, and we'll talk about this later, but your why and, and why you do it. So that kind of takes me into my next question. Um, we've talked a lot and, and because I know you, I know you're passionate around policy and ad advocacy for women and diverse entrepreneurs. So talk a little bit about some of the work that you've done um, with Congress and some of the boards that you sit on to support your efforts. Yeah. Um, if I rewind a bit, and I promise I won't be so loquacious on every question. And you can be like, next, Kayla. No, you're, um, this, this is the, no, let's be real says that's what we do yeah, here. This so, is the, okay, good. You just tell me. You just tell me. We don't you turn down. We, we turn up over here. Yes. <laughs> good, good, because I'm Puerto Rican. So, like, one of the biggest pieces of advice, people are like, I want to start a company. What piece of advice do you have? And I'm like, be as involved in your community as you are in your business because that's gonna pay more dividends. But let me tell you something, don't be involved because it's going to pay dividends for your business. When you have an expectation of returns, it's not going to be fruitful. It's not going to return. And so one of the things that, you know, I co-founded this with my brother and one of the things we learned really early on in life is just to give without any expectation of return. I mean, there's, there's if I have the time, if I have the resources to be able to give, then I'm going to do so. Um, and so when we moved to Memphis, we chose Memphis. We got into the top accelerator in the world in San Francisco, and we chose Memphis. And so when we did that, we said, we are going to be as ingrained in this community to be a community we're so proud to be a part of, to build this entrepreneurial ecosystem, to make this change, to be, have Memphis be the best place to start and build a company. And so since day one, we've been ingrained in whether it was 
Mayor Shelby County, Mayor of Memphis on their Young Professional Councils, whether it was American Cancer Society Young Professional, um, Epicenter on uplifting um, entrepreneurs, Life Science Tennessee on how, you know, medical devices are the number two export for the entire state of Tennessee from a dollar standpoint, um, whether it's Agape supporting this gap um, in generations of poverty um, or Shelby Farms Park, you know, ensuring that there's sanctuaries out there that support, you know, this like well-rounded community. And so when I take a look at, you know, kind of just reflect over the last five years, um, it's really been giving what we can, like what we have to give. And that in itself has grown sweet bio like to the next level. It's gotten us several angel investors that have fueled us through the times when we probably would have sank in other times. Um, and so when, yeah, oh my God, I can like talk about that forever, but it's amazing what happens when you give and you don't have expectations of return. Um, yeah. Okay, That's let me so like, good. like I got lost on that trend. No, like, like, I'm like, I'm about to jump because, in here because like one of the things that we say all the time is serve first and the rest will come. And that's exactly what you are describing. And along those same lines, like there was an article where you said, and I love the way it was stated that you don't build walls around your knowledge. And so I think mm -hmm. it's important for us to highlight the fact that you will willingly share what you know in you know a culture that doesn't always support that. So talk to us a little bit about the willingness and the necessity of being open with your knowledge and freely sharing that. Oh my gosh. I mean, there are so many things I wish I would have knew when we started the company, whether it's from a knowledge medical device side, I take a call probably every week with a new company. I'm not joking. I'm on the phone with a new founder and it probably averages. I probably talk to 50 founders a year and say, wow. go look at reimbursement, go talk to somebody about your packaging, go make sure that this is locked in before you go to the next stage, make sure that you take a look at these things because no one told me and there's no reason why you should fail here. There's no reason except nobody's willing to tell you why, why or how to do this, right? Um, and in terms of leading, you know, building your company, nobody, there's, nobody wants to talk about the hard things, like how, do you add people to your team? What do you do when people don't work out? Like, how do you build culture? How do you, and if we don't talk about these things, we're all going to make the same mistakes over and over and over again. And that's not the point of this. The point of me is not to disrupt in how to build my business. It's to disrupt in what I do with my business. And to be able to do that, I have to get the how out of the way. And so for us, we're so open to taking a phone call. We're so open to talking on stage in the press about our experience. And of course, a safe way going to be in a press release, but in a way that can help other people avoid mistakes. Um, because if you use it to then beat me in business, right? Because that's a lot of the fear is like, oh, well, if you know that, then maybe you can get there faster than me. You've earned it if you beat me because I am fast and I am smart and I'm going to get there. So if you beat me, it's my fault for missing the mark on not disrupting you as you came up and not seeing you and getting blindsided. That's not me. That's not on you. So we have to share this information to propel ourselves forward so that we can continue to bring things that actually add value to people, right? Like that's what we're talking about here as a startup is you need to change lives. You need to make lives better. It's not about making the most money. That will come if you want to make money, that will come if you do the best thing for people and you can navigate it successfully. But I'm not going to sit here putting up walls or not sharing what, what I know so that you can succeed. If you beat me, that's on me. 
that's not on you. And isn't because I share the information. Hopefully you would have found it elsewhere. But yeah, that's that's the way I approach this. If anybody wants to know a bit of the playbook of Sweet Bio, I am happy to share. As long as it's not a competitor stealing things that I know they're gonna do that, right? Um, but again, people beat me there. They learned it. Drive recognizes drive and I'm my biggest competition. Uh, I say that all the time and um, I love that. And, and it's leadership. That's what it comes back to. I mean, that's just leadership. Um, so that brings me to my next question. Um, you talk a lot about being committed to employee wellness and we are constantly, all of us, balancing inner and outer aspects of ourselves in order to better fit in. How do you remain true to Kayla? Mm. Mm. Good question, because Kayla changes. Kayla changed from like girlfriend to fiance to wife to mom to you know, like Kayla has changed over the last five years. Um, but but my values and you know even my husband brought up like I have this mission statement like I aspire to inspire others. Like I my goal is to inspire people. That is like what I'm what I'm built for. Um, I know I will be so happy if I can show others that they can do this, that they can be a mom and an entrepreneur and a great wife and, you know, all these things and not feel like you've had to like sell your soul to do it. Um, and so for me, the biggest thing is there's a lot of stigmas about being an entrepreneur, which is you don't sleep, you work a million hours a day and, you know, you just, you just go and like, no. Absolutely not. I sleep. I have a seven month old, so I'm sleeping less these days, but I sleep. I stop work and I sleep. The other thing is when I'm working, I'm working. And when I'm with my family, I'm with my family. That's just, it, I have to, I cannot sit there and worry about work while I'm playing with my boys or worry about the boys when I'm at work. And it's not that I'm trying to have a separate work in life. It's just, I'm giving a hundred percent in that moment that I'm in. When you have me, you have me for 100% and I commit that to you. But it does nobody good if I'm 25% and 50% here and 25% there. So I'm a firm believer in you commit yourself so that you can fail fast or progress forward. Otherwise, this like limping along is not going to show me anything. I've now introduced 600 other variables of why the failure happened and I can't fix it or learn from it. So like how I take care of myself is I try to sleep. I try to work out when I'm healthy. I am happy. Um, nobody wants to deal with me after like six weeks of eating pizza. Like I'm just not happy. Um, and then <laughs> I try to separate where I can and just, and I wouldn't say separate. I'd say just focus, undivided focus. Um, those are a few things I do. And like, go have fun. I golf. I really love golfing took that up because I'm like, this is not just a white guy thing. Like, even though I married a white guy and he golfs, um, but you know, we golf together. And so I really love that. And I love going for a walk every single day for like 30 minutes minimum. So that's sister's thing. She's committed herself. I know she's going to jump in here and talk about this. She takes a walk <laughs> every day with her kids. Talk about that sister. Life. Yes. It's just something we've decided to do uh, just recently during the pandemic. And I said, I'll never go back from it, you know, because um, I thoroughly enjoy it. And, and to your point, I can find humor in almost anything. I laugh at myself. Uh, sometimes I laugh and my kids are like, you're so corny. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> and you'll laugh again. That's so funny. Right. Well, it's, it's interesting that like you're talking about, you know, the balance with family and your husband and everything. And I was telling sister, I said, during this pandemic, there've been, you know, more opportunities where my husband and I, we're, we're showing up in the same space 
to do work in the mental health area. So I looked and I said, wait a minute. I said, Kayla's husband is her CFO. So I said, oh, we have to talk about this. So tell us how you create this space of balance between work and family life as you all work on this important mission together. Oh, man. I mean, it is perfectly imperfect, right? It's just so interesting. I work with my brother and my husband, um, Isaac full-time, and then my husband's part-time while working. He works at FedEx full-time. And so now we literally, so we have an office here that we, when we started the company, we bought this house because we moved from San Francisco and we're like, houses are free in Memphis. Um, compared to where we were living. It was unbelievable. We were just so apartment poor. Um, so to be able to come and like at least survive, and we knew that my brother was going to move in. We knew that we were going to have the office here. So like we have a little bonus room set up as our office. So like we are so fortunate. I am just so grateful that during this time we have a dedicated space work. But I look at him every day. He's literally on the other side of my desk. And even today, I'm like, all right, yeah, we got to talk about five-year projections. And then, like, we got to order the new door downstairs. Um, and do you want cod for dinner? And, like, oh, so this financial modeling situation of, like, as we plan for the product. And, like, oh, are you going to get Maddox up or you want me to do it and like did you fill up that insurance form for sweet bio and our health insurance like did you so like it is it's a mess and in a great way it's a mess because we respect each other's expertise he's a finance expert and i'm a i don't know like a swiss army knife i guess um but i am so grateful for his brain on things um and i'd like to think he's grateful that he doesn't have to think about the things i have to think about so we can respect each other's expertise um, and I need him. And that to me is like an important part of this, like even employee morale, right? Like I value him so much and I need him. I actually need to focus on turning off the sweet bio and making sure we have some fun. Um, and so lately we've been talking about, okay, how do we like make sure we just have fun and then it's like a no sweet bio time and like, you know, so finding the, now that everything has merged together with COVID, right? We like just walk down the stairs and we're like new people. Um, but that has been, I'd say perfectly imperfect and we're still navigating it. Um, like if I put something on our monday.com or our Trello board, it literally is just like him on the other side, right? And I'm like, hey, Kevin, this is due tomorrow. He's like, I'm right here. I'm like, oh, okay, well, it's, I it's still due tomorrow. Yeah. Is that your coworker already understands what you're up against. So you don't have to. Yeah. I have to explain. <laughs> yeah, and like, you know, that's like one of the most interesting things. I think even more so than being a diverse woman raising money, we had a lot of, we had a hard time that we were a brother, sister team with a part-time, you know, my husband. And I'm like, listen, if the Musk brothers started a company, would you be questioning them? No, no, you wouldn't. So is it because I'm a woman? Like I don't, because he's a brother, sister and a husband, wife, like we wouldn't be having this conversation and so what's been really great when you start a company is to survive those things you have this baseline with family of trust and respect and pure intentions and that sometimes is hard to find when you find a co-founder um, is that that baseline and so we're able to accelerate the work that we do because I don't have to assume that he's trying to do shit behind my back because I'll know you know because <laughs> like I can read his eyes and you know I know the guy. so I married him so it's like that baseline of understanding allows us to accelerate faster. So it's like, I don't understand why there isn't more investment in like husband, wife, 
because if you decide to do that, you have personal risk on the table, like, you know, give them a shot. Can you come and talk to some of my coworkers? Because we don't have <laughs> understanding over here. I have an office, but the lighting wasn't good. So I moved to the kitchen. And so I'm like, can you guys get out of my office? And they're like, it's the kitchen. <laughs> like, no, no. Can I tell you what's happening right now? Let, can I tell you full transparency what's happening right now? I am trying to have a very great conversation with you all. And my husband and two daughters are running through the living room with water guns. <laughs> I'm like, are y'all kidding me? Like, what's going on right now? My goodness. I'm telling you. I'm that, telling that you. Just be real, sis. Like, that, that's just why be I'm real. real here because they're like, we're hungry. I'm like, this is my office. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the kitchen. <laughs> not a real office. It's not a real office. Okay, so I cook eggs on the sidewalk. Come on. Oh my gosh. Um, speaking of um, having fun, we like to have fun here. And one thing that um, we've not done this before, sis. Uh, if I if I look back on some of the episodes. We'll end with like, you know, tips and then, you know, we just go according to, to the flow, but we wanted to do some rapid fire questions. Are you open to that? I'm ready. This is going to awesome. be fun. Awesome. So <laughs> first question, first question, one person you admire and why? Mm. First that comes to mind is Miss Laisha Ward. She is an executive at Target. She heads up community engagement. Um, she was an early mentor of mine, and she is this dominant force, this, this picture of, like, grace and grit, um, and puts her, you know, actions where her mouth is, and I just have admired her for decades, and now to see her stand up in a time in, of social injustice and to put forth new, con like, she has just continued to stay relevant, and I admire her so freaking much. She's amazing. That's awesome. So here's one that's a little bit different. Uh, what is the last song that you listened to? Oh, so I was a bass player in high school and uh, in college and after college. So I really was into the uh, pop punk rock phase. And probably the last songs I listened to were The Starting Line, uh, Drive the Records Band and left coast envy even though i don't have left coast envy i'm a middle coast lover but that was probably the last song starting line left coast envy awesome okay what is one product you must use every day mm. american cheese uh does that count no <laughs> i think i need a slice every day like either <laughs> Like literally eat. I'm like logging my food. I'm like, how is it that I'm eating like American slice of cheese every day for the last 52 weeks? Like this is amazing. I should buy stock and craft. Um, let's see. I use a hair tie. My hair is typically up in a top knot every single day. Um, from like a product standpoint, I'm always doing brow. So okay. But like, I probably okay. would answer with American cheese and oatmeal. I eat those every day. Oh, great. Okay, for American cheese and top knots. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and like pull-ups and diapers right now. I probably use those products every day I mean, too I for my little one. amazing. You, you definitely do yeah. boys, so. <laughs> so here's one. What is one book that you think every person should read outside of the Bible? Ooh, one book. Just one. I, I'm... 
I mean, right now I'm reading White Fragility and it's amazing. Um, Becoming is also just like, my God, amazing. Yeah, but I can only get one. Yeah, those two. Those are great. Um, And then the last one, if you could go to dinner with anyone, who would it be? Anybody. Mm -hmm. Ooh, this is hard to answer so rapidly. Um, I mean, probably Martin Luther King Jr. I feel like I would love to understand how you can feel such um, extreme emotion towards you yet stay calm and lead through that um, and speak so eloquently and motivate masses to be able to activate in a way that advances all and to stay as pure as possible in such corrupt times. Like I I have so many questions that I would love to understand. Um, And I think it's so needed in the world right now. So those are things that I just like seek for understanding every day of, you know, how do we restore compassion and empathy and drive for a better tomorrow and, you know, truly just lead from a place of making a difference and leaving the world in a better place than when we found it. Like that to me would be like, can I just be in your presence? That's so good. Well, listen, the time goes by so fast here, Kayla. I know. Um, we thank you so much um, for channeling some of your superpowers here today. I'm, I'm bringing it all in, all the energy, all the love. Um, it, it's just been amazing. Um, what can our listeners do to support any of your efforts or how can they follow you or any projects that you're working on? How can they stay in touch with Kayla? Yeah. So, I mean, directly in contact, feel free to email me, Kayla at sweetbio.com. Um, if I don't respond, just email me again, cause I'm working on email management, but I would love to be able to support. Um, the biggest thing you can do for me is mentor a young woman, please, um, take them under your wing and show them what you've learned and show them the ropes and open, you know, your knowledge book to them and allow them to be successful. That is like the number one ask I could ever have and try it just for one 30 minute session, you know, and, um, and see what difference you're going to make. Um, for Sweet Bio, I mean, we're about to commercially launch nationally. So we are entering hospitals and specifically podiatry, surgery um, opportunities. So if anyone listening out there is in that space or knows anyone in that space, that would help us at Sweet Bio. But my one ask is to invest in the next generation of, of women leaders. We, we need all of us to be out there making sure that we bust down some barriers so they can be successful more than us. There's really nothing to say after that. I mean, what can you say? (laughs) (laughs) Like that hits literally every point of the things that are so important to us and just be real sis. And it's just so refreshing, Kayla, to have a conversation with someone else who gets it and who understands what's really important. So we just want to say thank you for just giving your time because we say all the time, the time is 
not a renewable resource. And so if someone honors us with their time, it's the greatest gift ever. The number of gems that you've dropped on this episode, countless. So we always go back and listen again so we can learn too. Um, and so again, just thank you, thank you, thank you for your time and for your message and for your energy and your heart. We appreciate you so very much. And so you're always welcome to just be real, sis. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Bella. This has been awesome. It's my honor. Thank you for having me. Don't forget to subscribe and share so we can grow this movement. If you have show ideas or would like to be considered as a special guest, you can email us at justberealsis at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at justberealsispodcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. As always, remember to serve first, stay encouraged, be kind, and just be real, sis.